A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, this might be one of the most interesting Talk is Jericho episodes yet. Conspiracy theorist expert Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chat website and podcast is here with plenty of underground ideas about secret societies, about who really controls the free world, who controlled the JFK assassination, the moon landing, the sinking of the Titanic. There might be more to that story than you think of. Aliens, UFOs, the banking industry, even the Illuminati. If they're listening right now, you might never hear from me again. Greg is going to make you think twice, and who knows? You may even become a believer in some of these things that you are not supposed to know. This is the podcast that should not be. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride on a nice afternoon on a Friday. Right, Greg Carwood from the Higher Side Chats is here today talking about a whole bunch of crazy conspiracy theories. Um, I've always been into this sort of thing. I had Jesse the Body Ventura on, Jesse the Mind Ventura on a few months ago, and he just spouted off about 9-11 and JFK. And um, So I wanted to delve more into that track down at Mr. Greg Carwood from the Higher Side Chats, which is the top one of the top paranormal slash conspiracy theory podcasts in the world today. And he came up to me and said, what do you want to talk about? I said, what do you got? And he said, well, we can do Illuminati. We can do secret societies. We can do the Federal Reserve and who really controls the United States government. We can talk about the sinking of the Titanic and how that was orchestrated. I was like, what? I never saw that no DiCaprio movie. Uh, but <laughs> also JFK, Moon Landing, uh, 9-11, all of the old favorites. And Greg brings a whole new spin to it. He's a young guy. He's just... Uh, he he's a self-proclaimed stoner, but he's got a lot of cool opinions. And he said he might not believe in all of this stuff, but these are the stories that are out there. He passed them along to me. I am now passing them along to you. It's going to be a good, good show today. Speaking of good shows, wait until you see this week's episode of Tough Enough. It's the eighth, uh, eighth show, eighth episode of the season. We have ten. We're down to the final six. 
who of course are Gigi, ZZ, Tanner, Amanda, Josh, and Sarah Lee. And wow, each show keeps getting better than the next, but this week is the best one yet. So what happened was, uh, I'll give a little bit of a way. I went and after the show was done, while they were doing Tough Talk, I wait, and wait, went to the barracks and waited for them to come back. When they came back, we uh, hung out for a bit, had a, a couple bites to eat and had a couple drinks. And then we started talking about the show started talking about the psychology and stories of putting together a match. Then I sat down with the six Tough Enough kids in the barracks, and we watched Jericho versus Michaels ladder match 2008, No Mercy. And I explained to them what we were doing, everything that, that, that happened and everything that took place uh, throughout the match. So for the first time ever, when you see Tough Enough this week, you'll get a behind-the-scenes um, commentary almost on uh, Jericho versus Michaels, which is probably my favorite match of all time, not just because of the match itself, but also because of the story and the circumstance surrounding it and behind it, and definitely the culmination to one of the greatest angles in WWE history. So I think you guys will really appreciate this and really enjoy it. It's, it's a look behind the curtain like you've never seen before. Uh, it's an idea that Steve Austin did on his podcast, almost watching one of his own matches and, and doing a commentary on it. Maybe I'll do the same in the future on this show, but I will be doing it on Tough Enough. You will see that. Then I stayed overnight in the barracks, had a little sleepover. Then the next day went to um, the Performance Center with uh, Lita and Billy Gunn and Booker T. And we went through some drills. I went in there and worked out with them. We did some tackles with them and headlocks and hip tosses and body slams and all that sort of stuff and kind of get in there and did the crisscrossing back off the ropes and everything. It was fun to get in, in the ring and actually do some training like that. And then they had to put together for the first time a match. And it wasn't a long match, but it was a match all the same with a beginning, a middle, and an end. They had to tell a story with this match. And they each had about, I don't know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes to get paired off and go into, uh, into the ring and, and work, on their, uh, work on their stories and work on their match. And they were unassisted. I, I helped them a little bit as far as helping to put together the match a bit. But when it came down to it, it was just, um, I would believe it's Amanda versus Sarah, Gigi versus Tanner, and then Josh versus ZZ. And all they had in, them, in the ring with them was the referee. And they also had the audience, which was made up of the entire NXT roster. So we're throwing everything uh, out there. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that were kind of watching the show going, well, there's not enough wrestling in this. When does it get to the wrestling? What's well, all part of the process? There's a lot of dexterity that you have to do, a lot of different drills you have to do. And now we're getting down into it, actual wrestling matches, actually putting together these matches. And when they were putting them together, I didn't know. I was like, I, I'm not going to say that they're not going to do good, but I wasn't sure because they'd never done it before. You know, I remember my first matches in camp. There's always mistakes and people bump into each other and you forget things or just stare there and not know what to do. Plus with the fact that there's cameras on and a live audience. So uh, I was actually really, really impressed. They put together three decent to good little matches. I think probably their first match, all three of them, was better than mine. And I can say that even with, you know, ZZ who came through and Sarah who did great and all the people that you would expect might not do good. They did good. So uh, I think you guys are going to be really impressed and really uh, surprised by this. It was a lot of fun to see it and to watch them do their, their first matches on the show. Um, you know, I, I can see why somebody would want to be uh, a trainer, why they'd want to have their own school like Lance Storm does or, or Bubba Dudley does or why they would want to work at the, at the Performance Center like Billy Gunn. That's his full-time job. Robbie Brookside, um, Norman Smiley. Terry Taylor, who I saw down there. I mean, it's great to kind of um, see your protégés 
learn things, pick it up, get better, get more solid at what they're doing. Um, I was just really, really impressed by that. And you kind of like watch oh, our little, our little babies are all grown up. So I think, you know, I think one of the, the big, uh, cut downs about previous tough enoughs was that, um, none of the, the guys really made it. And, and the people that won the tough enough contracts never really made it to the WWE with the exception, I think John Morrison, Miz and Ryback and maybe, uh, uh Cameron, um, yeah, Cameron, Funkadactyl. But this time, that's not going to be the case. I think that the winners of, of this show will definitely go to NXT. I think some of the ones that didn't win will still get another tryout. They're not going to get signed right away. So people think, well, you don't even need to win. You get signed right away. Not necessarily the case. You're not going to get signed right away. Maybe they'll get a chance to come back and, and maybe work out in one of the trial camps or, or I don't know. Maybe they'll go to the independence. But I don't think we've seen the last of a lot of these people. But I still think that we're going to see a few of them in NXT and maybe even on the main roster. Um, and I'm proud of them. And I really am really enjoying this show and getting into the flow and the ebb and flow of the show. I mean, when this was first presented to us, it, was, it reminded me of the first time we had the Elimination Chamber match. Here's the chamber. Now go and make it work. I've never seen a chamber before. There's never been a chamber match to watch to see how you do it. Same thing with this. Half reality, half a live show. It was a whole new concept that's really starting to gel and really starting to come together. The addition of Miz as the new judge, I think, adds a little bit of extra spark to it, as, as only the Miz can do. But I was really happy being in the ring and, and training with them this week and staying overnight. I think they, they thought it was so exciting that Chris Jericho is going to be staying overnight with them. And when I got there, you know, it's a, it's a show. It's a, it's a network show, so everybody really kind of pampers you. And they're like, we've got all this stuff for you. We've got a whole bag full of stuff. And we've got all these pajamas for you. There's a whole basket of like 12 different types of pajamas. Like I could have taken it to a football team and outfitted them all for the night. But I didn't need any of it because I had all my own stuff. I was on the, in the middle of Freak Week. I was in the middle of my tour of going to a different city every night, whatever the hell it was. I didn't even need the toothbrush that they had. I was like, man, where are you guys when my luggage gets lost? It's like, I, I want that, you know? But um, it was a lot of fun being in the barracks. As a matter of fact, I, I think I'm going to try and move in at some point. But um, we had a really good time, and I'm excited for you guys to uh, see the show. It's going to be the best show yet, plus the return of John Cena after he broke his nose. You guys see the nose that he, the, the broken nose that he suffered at the hands of Seth Rollins? It's like, oh my lord, it was a bad, bad break. It was the example of, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put your nose on the other side of your face. Well, that's exactly what happened. His nose was on the other side of his face, no doubt about it. So I think that he had some surgery done. He's currently out, which uh, led me to work with uh, Kevin Owens this past weekend, which I told you about. Had great matches, really enjoyed it. Love working with Owens. And I think I might even be working with him upcoming over the next few weeks. I'm not sure. But um, last thing about Cena, I went to Trainwreck last night. Went to the movies uh, with all my friends, just me. And I thought it was... Uh, Okay, it was a little bit more. It, it wasn't. As, I was expecting more bridesmaids, and it was more. Uh, was it Life at Forty or whatever that one that Paul Rudd was in, where he was like the music executive, you know, kind of more of like the sappy, uh, um, you know, I just can't make it on my own type of movie or whatever. But, but honestly, the best part of the movie was John Cena, and he had a huge role. I couldn't believe the, the, the size of his role. And the depth that he had uh, playing it. 
I mean, he had everything in his, the part was, was a great part. There was funny parts, you know, he's banging Amy Schumer and trying to talk dirty to her using working out terms. And then there's a scene in the movie theater where he's arguing with the guy and Mark, I look like Mark Wahlberg, ate Mark Wahlberg. That was great. And then there's the scene on the steps where they kind of have their breakup and he did really, really good. And on top of that, the trailer for the other movie at the, at the beginning of, um, of Trainwreck was for Sisters. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and who's in that one as well? John Cena. So um, good for him, man. He's he's finally getting some good breaks in that Hollywood world. And watch out, Vince. You might be losing another one. But uh, I think he did a great job, and you should go check it out. And congrats to John Cena. Congrats to all the Tough Enough brethren for making it to the final six and for continuing to kick ass. And thanks to all of you, and congrats to all of you for being here with me for Greg Carlwood. Going to be some creepy stuff, stuff that's going to make you go, hmm? What was that, uh, CNC Music Factory? Things that make you go, hmm? I don't know if that's how it goes, but that's how it goes now. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita, so having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key, and learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. All right, we're having almost a, a, a secret meeting here with one of the uh, nation's top conspiracy theorists. Uh, you said not experts, but... Um, right, I consider myself a generalist. Generalist <laughs> and very knowledgeable. Yeah, I'd say so. Greg Carlwood is here um, from the higher higher side The higher chats. side chats. What is, what, what, is the, what is the name reason behind the name for that? Well, it's a play off of the fireside chats, which was, uh, you know, something FDR did where he would talk to people. They'd gather around the little radio and he would uh, kind of ease their nerves about the direction of the country. And I don't know how much good they did, but, um, you know, I'm a stoner, so I liked the play on words, <laughs> the fireside chats. I feel like we get into more fringe stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just I liked the pun. How, how did you get into uh, into conspiracy theories? I mean, like, a lot of people are into them, but how do you get to be such a well knowledge person on it? Well, I mean, I've always liked conspiracy. Started with the aliens and the cryptid stuff. I know you like that mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and then 9-11 just was one of the first things in my lifetime where I was like, that doesn't look right. And the more I read about it and dug about it, I was like, no, I'm not crazy. It really didn't look right. And, uh, 
then I wanted to do something to free myself from the nine to five. You know, I wasn't happy. I was in a soulless job, had no direction. It was dead end. And I had a few options. Conspiracy podcast was one of them. And it, it's pretty successful. So now after five years of talking to who I'd consider to be the best in the business and fringe material, I feel like I got a pretty good handle on it now. <laughs> Being in this position where you're kind of talking about all this stuff and, you know, it provided that, you know, and there's always where there's smoke, there's fire, provided that conspiracies are actually existing, which I believe that in some cases they are. Do you ever get any uh, kind of uh, people kind of coming down on you a little bit, telling you to back off? Not so much that. Not yeah. so much that. People do come down on me, but it's usually for going too far over the edge. In what um, way? Well, I mean, people are emotional, and they don't really like to have their paradigm rattled to the degree that, like, I get a kick out of doing that. I like to do it to myself. I think uh, having an open mind is pretty important, and I like to challenge even preconceived notions that, that I took for granted. Mm-hmm. And uh, so people get upset when you do that too much. And so that's usually that's what it is. They're like, like fans and stuff or fans. Yeah. I mean, with, you know, obviously with a huge listener base, there's people at all parts of the spectrum. Some people like it, like the show for this specific reason or that specific reason. So when you try to cast a wide net like I do, sometimes people get challenged in a way they might not have thought they would. So, I mean, obviously, the, 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 you mentioned right off the bat was, was the 9-11 conspiracy. And I just read an email from you that you sent me yesterday or a couple of days before talking about Jesse Ventura, who just went off yeah. on the whole 9 uh, 9-11 conspiracy. Now, when you said you saw this and it didn't look right, are you talking about right when it happened? Because you look like right. you're a pretty young guy. Yeah, 30 years old. Okay. I was in high school. Uh, we, we all were watching it. On, you know, they show it over and over and over all day. And we watched it while we were there. And I was like, it just doesn't look right to me. It doesn't look like two planes flew into those buildings, and they just free fell in their own footprint. I just didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had no reason necessarily to, to think I was being lied to at the time because uh, you know, I, I was naive to that kind of stuff. And then I just stuck around in the back of my mind, and eventually uh, I saw a few documentaries about it being an inside job. And I was like, yeah, I'm not crazy. I really do think there's some messed up stuff here. And false flags... That was the other thing. False flags. That's just the first one in our lifetime. But they're they're what happening. False all the flags. Time. Okay, yeah. Let's break it down. False flag is when a country or a leader attacks themselves to justify something they want to do, going out and getting some people they want to get. And nine uh, eleven. That's what it was to me, especially when you look at the aftermath. I mean, we went to Iraq. We took Saddam out. He wasn't even related to the incident. We're still over there. We have an empire in the Middle East now. Mm-hmm. And the Patriot Act was ready to go right when it happened. So there was some pre-planning involved. And now I don't know if uh, we'll ever go back. I mean, everybody talks about a post-9-11 world. We can't wear shoes in the airport now. Right. Well, when can we again? Can we ever? Like, It mm-hmm. just seems kind of messed up. But the day before 9-11, uh, Donald Rumsfeld announced that the Pentagon was missing $2 trillion dollars. And then the next day, 9-11 happens. No one ever asks about the $2 trillion. I mean, there's, there's so many weird things about it. So what, what do you think were some of the things that could have actually happened? You know, instead of actually planes crashing into the, uh, the Twin Towers or, right. or, or another plane crashes into the Pentagon, which yeah. is very uh, confusing as far as the evidence that they found or didn't find. Yeah, yeah. It didn't look like a plane to me. Um, Jesse Ventura, he mentioned Judy Wood when, on the show you did with him. And that's the person I would say is the expert on this. But she considers it to be uh, some kind of nuclear 
thing. Uh, thermite's involved too. Nanothermite. It's a really technologically advanced thing that melts steel beams. There's people who have said that a few weeks before there was a painter crew that went in and they could have painted all the beams with this kind of stuff uh, to kind of make it to make it go down. There's also people that day who said they heard an explosion in the basement. A lot of people think, including Judy Wood, it, that that was a mini nuke that they put off. So, and, and, what, and what, why would they? You're saying that the U.S. government perpetrated this? Elements of it, elements of the government. I would say that there is a, a shadow government that kind of rules things from behind the scenes, and this was one of their ploys to get over into the Middle East and to get the Patriot Act rolled out. Um, but false flags, they're, the more you know about them, the less crazy 9-11 seems. Because uh, but when Kennedy was in office, there's actually documents for people who might be skeptical of this kind of thing. This is something you can prove. Operation Northwoods. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, the, you know, the defense guys, they all went to Kennedy. They all signed off on this, and they wanted to do a false flag to get, get us into Cuba. They wanted to stage an attack, blame Cuba, and then go after Fidel. Uh, so a false flag is almost like, uh, like a red herring, like something that they're saying happened but didn't really happen? Well, some in, in a lot of time, a lot of times it does happen. I guess here's the thing. So they proposed this to Kennedy. Kennedy said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's nuts. Um, you know, then Kennedy was obviously killed a year after Kennedy was killed. Uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident happened. Now, this is this is a real thing. You can look this up. And they've actually admitted now that this was fake. But when they wanted to get into Vietnam, they, you know, for whatever reason, uh, money, interest, of course, it's always about money. But they wanted to go into Vietnam and they didn't have a necessarily a catalyst to the American people would be like, what are you doing? You can't just go in there and take them over. So there was a submarine out there in the Gulf of Tonkin. That's why it's called the Gulf of Tonkin incident. And they I think it really got hit. I think there's two, actually. One actually got sunk and the other one didn't. But uh, these shi- these uh, ships there got hit by missiles and we blamed uh, Vietnam, but it wasn't them. We've now admitted that it didn't actually happen the way we said it did, and we used that as a catalyst. I guess imagine a bully who just wants to pick on a kid, and so he says, "The kid hit me first. Mm. You know, I pummeled the kid into the ground because he hit me first. Wow, and that's what what a false flag is, and it happens all the time. Even in Rome, when Nero was the emperor, he wanted to build a big tribute to himself. You know, mad egomaniac like mm-hmm. a lot of leaders are. And the people were like, we don't have money, room, time for that. We're not going to do that. So then there's a legendary um, you know, burning of Rome, the fires in Rome. Apparently, a lot of people suggest that Nero set those fires himself. Because when you destroy stuff, then you get to rebuild it the way you want. Hmm. So false flags are not that unusual. And I think 9-11 was just one in a long string of them. And, w- and what do they want to get out of the other Patriot Act, you're saying, is the main reason why it happened? That's one thing. I mean, obviously, they like to... the total. T- uh, the totalitarian tiptoe. They like to kind of... Uh, <laughs> Say that three times fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. They like to tighten the screws on us. Um, they like to clamp down on our freedoms and all that kind of stuff. But really, I think it's just about money. I think it's about money and control and securing that. Because the more freedom a population has, you know, maybe they'll start getting wise. Maybe they'll start organizing. You got to keep people in fear and distracted and I'd say it's worked. You know, mm-hmm. they had this war on terror. Well, what is terror? Terror is like an abstract concept. It's not any place where you can find it and get rid of it. I mean, it's never going to go away. So they've kind of graduated from attacking countries to just attacking, you know, kind of arbitrary concepts that you can't ever really get rid mm-hmm. of. So now the military industrial complex never has to stop. 
So what about, like, let's say the President of the United States, if you're talking about, let's say, George Bush at the time, how much would he know about this? Because, you know, does the President know everything that goes on, or as you mentioned, a shadow government earlier? Right. That's that's one of the interesting things is I think some presidents know more than others, but, uh, you know, we, we were going to talk about the Illuminati. I think the Illuminati now is these think tanks, like the um, Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group. These are groups of people think tanks of rich, powerful people that meet in secret, and they really decide what the policies are going to be, regardless of who the president is. The president is just, uh, we have a choice of two people who agreed to play ball. That's how I see (laughs) it. So they're kind of just puppets themselves, and they don't really, they might not know what's going on. I think George Bush knew a little bit more because he was in the skull and bones. His dad was, you know, he's in a huge dynasty. The Mm -hmm. Bush family is a dynasty of their own. So I think to a degree, he might have known, or maybe, maybe just his dad knew. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think Dick Cheney definitely knew. Really? Yeah. I think, uh, there's actually, um, some indications that Dick Cheney knew. Apparently they had, uh, they were, he called off some planes at one point. You can find quotes online, but, um, yeah, I definitely think he knew. I would assume Donald Rumsfeld knew, but these are the people, you know, that are around the president, yeah, you know, those are the team. Yeah. Those are the think tanks. Those are the ones that I think kind of decide what's going to happen because you have to get a new president every eight years. But if you get your advisors from the same think tanks, well, you it know, last forever. Exactly. And that's yeah. the shadow government. Now, we were talking earlier before um, kind of the, the, the superpowers behind the scenes. You mentioned some of these very influential families over the years. Is that kind of part of the shadow government as well? Just give me give me a little bit about this when you're talking about the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and these type of people. Right. Absolutely. I would say that's a big part of it. Uh, it all starts really with banking. They got control of banking, and most people don't understand how banking really works, but we use a system called the fractional reserve banking system, which means that they only have to keep a bank only has to keep a fraction of their money in reserves and they can just loan the rest. And they're basically creating money out of thin air. Like, I guess to explain this, if, you know, if I loaned you a thousand dollars and you were a bank, well, that wouldn't work. Let's say you're a bank and you loan me. No, I'm sorry. I deposit. See, it is confusing. Yeah. Because, uh, that's how they make the economy work. And they make sure nobody ever figures it out. But so you're a bank. I deposit $1,000 into the bank. You would assume as a depositor that that bank is just going to or that bank is just going to hold on to your money. It's just mm-hmm. going to sit there. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happens. They actually only keep 10% of that. And I think the numbers are even lower now because they keep pushing regulations to get less less and less reserves. But so you only have to keep $100 of that. And then you can loan out the other 900. So mm-hmm. someone comes up to you, guy B comes up and says, "I need a loan for 900." You just say, "Okay." And basically you're creating money out of thin air because it's all just on it's like electronic, you know. Mm-hmm. There's not really paper money to back it up always but this is how these early banking people created vast amounts of wealth created trillions of dollars you know more money than you even know what to do with i mean Mm -hmm. that's how they get control and when um the federal reserve was created which is you know obviously our bank it's not federal people don't realize it is a private corporation and all the money that the government owes owes you know we have this huge massive debt yeah it's to the federal reserve well this is a private institution who owns it well the stockholders we don't really know a lot of people think the queen of england is involved a lot of people think rockefeller and rothschild families are involved the morgans the windsors the duponts these people uh basically own the united states 
You know, so are we really independent from the because crown? Because it was their money that went into the Federal Reserve in the first place. Well, they are the owed. Fed. They are the Fed. Yeah. So I wow. guess another another thing is like uh, public banking is the way it used to work. Like a state would issue its own currency. So when people needed money, it would just issue currency debt free. And now the when the Federal Reserve got enacted, that all changed. And now this private company issues the money, and it's based on nothing. It's just monopoly money. But we, you know, our whole lives are dictated by it. You know, people work 50 years in a AT&T cubicle that they hate because they got to get that paper. Right. And it's all just an illusion. It's all control grid. Well, it's all just in the air, too. Like, you know, if you get a paycheck for $10,000 and you go put that in the bank, which gives you $12,000, you're really not seeing any of it. It's just a number on a page. Right. And it's always really kind of concerned me and scared me. Like, what if that there's some glitch in the system and it all just disappears mm-hmm. and everyone loses all of their money? Right. A lot, of the, a lot of the researchers now are saying that's the direction they're going. They're trying to push us into paperless currency just electronic Mm -hmm. and then you really can control people on an individual basis Mm. you know because now you got the numbers on the screen and there's no paper money for them to hoard yeah ever and that's you know i always say like i feel bad for uh like valet guys at a hotel or vagrants because i don't ever carry cash Mm. and i always feel bad like i don't have five bucks to tip the guy or you know ten bucks to give the bum on the street but it's like other than those two reasons, I never need cash. Yeah. For, for, for the way I run my business yeah. of my life, I never have cash. Right. It's not convenient. So they get you with the convenience, you know. They, mm-hmm. they push you to – they incentivize things they want you to do. If they want you to go cashless, they incentivize it. They make it – it's obviously very easy to do. And I don't know. They're trying to get more control that way. But one thing that's interesting about the Federal Reserve and when it started is it ties into something I just had a guest on about and just kind of learned about, was, which was the Titanic conspiracy. Everybody thinks the Titanic hit an iceberg. There's a lot of indications that it was sunk on purpose. What? Yeah. That uh, J.P. Morgan, he, you know, he basically is an employee of the Rothschilds. He was how the Rothschilds kind of got into America, got their tentacles deep into into us through jp morgan and he bought the white star shipping line in 1909 in 1910 is the infamous meeting on jekyll island which is when a lot of these uh you know powerful bankers had this meeting on on this island jekyll island off the east coast and they conspired to come up with the federal reserve to really own the united states so this was just a year late a year after morgan bought this thing so then two years after that, the Titanic sinks. 1912, the Titanic sinks. Right. 1913, the Federal Reserve goes into place. And the, re- like it, the connection isn't obviously apparent at first, but there were a lot of key opponents to the Federal Reserve on that ship. And J.P. Morgan worked to get them on there. And there's also some indications. Really? Like he murdered them by sinking the ship? Yeah. All, all the opposition to the Federal Reserve took it out. And then they put it in place the next year. How did the ship sink then? Well, there's speculation that it could have hit an iceberg on purpose. There's speculation that it hit an ice, uh, an ice breaker, which is another type of ship that actually breaks up ice. There are a lot of people aren't really sure exactly how it went down, but the indications are that it was known about beforehand. J.P. Morgan himself was supposed to be on the ship. He didn't get on it. A few of his close associates also didn't get on, which happened in 9-11 too. On 9-11, there were some politicians who were supposed to be flying. They received memos and phone calls not to fly. Um, Really? Yeah, I mean, 
there also uh, J.P. Morgan had some artifacts from from Egypt that were supposed to be on that ship. And before it left, he pulled them off the ship. So there's all kinds of weird stuff. Another thing, the Californian, which is another ship that J.P. Morgan owned, was in the ocean at the time. And the only thing on board, this is the crazy thing, the only thing on the cargo hold was 3,000 blankets and 3,000 sweaters. Okay. So it's like they were going to sink the ship. The Californian was supposed to come in and rescue the people, and they were just going to make sure the few key people were dead. But instead, it just didn't come around, and a lot of people died. The Californian just didn't make it on time, or they just didn't bring they, it in? or I think that J.P. Morgan said the Californian would be there to ease the minds of the people who were involved in the scheme. Wow. Because he doesn't really give a shit. Right. You know, they don't care about regular people. At yeah, like, all. what's 3,000 people in the, in the big picture? Right. If he, gets, if he gets to go basically down as one of the richest people ever, they basically, with that, took over the United States. Hmm. I mean, it's pretty, so, it's pretty so, wild. So does the Rothschild family and the Rockefellers and the Morgans, do they still exist with the, that type of power today? Because all those names, like from the 50s, I'm thinking the Rockefellers. Is there still a Rockefeller family in 2015 that has some kind of pull? I would say so. I mean, you're right. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is old. All mm. these dynasties are very old. And I feel like the closer you get to the present time, the less you know, because they don't share this information. Eventually, it leaks out and you get to find out more things like the Gulf of Tonkin incident. At the time, no one knew that. Now, mm. it's common knowledge because who cares what happened in Vietnam? It's all over. Mm. Um, but going back to the uh, think tanks, I think that's where the real power is. Like David Rockefeller is a member of all three, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergs, and the... Uh, other one, <laughs> uh, the, uh, Council on Foreign Relations. Okay. Which the way that started is again J.P. Morgan. Uh, J.P. Morgan wanted to see how much money he had to spend to buy the public opinion of the United States. He found out with a think tank that he only needed to buy the top twenty-five newspapers. So he bought them. He's a banker; he can buy anything. He bought the twenty-five newspapers, put a editor at each one. That editor acts as a gatekeeper to make sure no one ever criticizes him and his cronies, and it's over. Wow. So why don't we ever hear about it? Ask J.P. Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's amazing just the expansiveness of this, you know. and It is. Even like, you know, when we're talking about, you mentioned JFK earlier, I was always under the assumption, and maybe I could be wrong, but wasn't it supposed to be like 50 years after the fact they released the files or something like this about, about the case? Yeah. Why did that not happen? Good question. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to know. Right. Uh, I assume that the people who were involved just aren't dead yet. So, you know, they, they said it was going to come out eventually. Maybe they're still around and they just get the president to push it back a little bit longer. Mm. And, but that's another thing. Like, just like the Gulf of Tonkin, we should know about JFK. Enough time has passed. But I think that the implications with JFK would just be 
too severe. I think people are still emotional and passionate about JFK. To sort of find out that he was capped by the government, I mean, that might start riots. Golf a Tonkin, no one cares. Do you really think, and, and I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, <laughs> that the U.S. government would kill its own president? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if, well, if I think 9-11 was an inside job, no, they kill a right. lot of people, you know? But not the president, though. Like, the president right. is the – even if it's not the top guy in, in, in you know, legitimately, right. in theory, that is the face of the United States <laughs> and basically the free world. And to kill him is beyond insane to think you could get away with that. Right. And you and I probably couldn't, mm -hmm. but – to the think tanks, to the people who are basically selecting the president, because we only have a choice between two puppets, to those guys, they are nothing but a puppet. You know, to those guys above them, if they start to act defiant, oh. which is what happened. You know, three presidents, I guess, have been shot, Lincoln, Garfield, and Kennedy. And all three of them were trying to change the currency. Hmm. So I think it all, it all goes back to the currency. It all goes back to money. Apparently, that's the They were trying to change the, the currency as in, in what way? Like, how was JFK trying to change the currency? Well, this is something because JF, JFK, the uh, motivations are always discussed. People are trying to figure out who did it. And it's interesting that he was defiant to so many powerful groups. So there's a lot of options. But he just didn't give a shit. That's why right. people loved him. He was a maverick. Exactly. Right? Yeah. For finally, someone who's actually on the side of the people. But um, I had a guest who presented some documents that showed that he was issuing an executive order to start issuing silver coinage, which would be like the first step to undermine the Federal Reserve, huh. getting back to a state-issued currency. Because I'm sure all the listeners realize a lot of us are in debt, and we're, we're not quite sure how we ended up in all this <laughs> damn debt. But it's just it's the system is based on it. And that what they do is they get you into debt so that they now control you just like they control the nation. You're not going to go protest in the street because you've got to get to work tomorrow. You've got to get to work tomorrow to pay those bills. Mm -hmm. So if you keep everyone in debt, you keep everyone stressed out, uh, you're not going to get a lot of resistance. And our, the, our strength is our numbers. You know, the only thing that people have is the numbers because we're only talking about maybe 150 people ruling everything. I mean, at the very, very top. So our numbers are our strength, but we're all fighting an individual economic battle. And that's how they keep us separated. Mm. Do you think that um, the assassination attempt on, on Reagan was f for similar reasons? Yeah, I did look into that quite a long time ago, but apparently there were a few corporations he was trying to put regulations on. I wish I knew more of the details off but the top there of my was head. Because Ray right. Reagan also was known as kind of a maverick. Yeah, you know, a until, until he was shot, and then he kind of started to play ball. Oh, but, huh. yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting, but I think it's all about the money. The, well, I think you're right about that. I remember reading something, and I'm sure people at home can check this out, that every president elected in a year that ended with a zero was assassinated or attempted assassination until 2000. Like 40, 60, 80, 20, That's 1900. Like some kind of weird thing like yeah. that had happened. I'm not quite sure, but I wouldn't be surprised because patterns in numerology and weird rituals, that exists too. Hmm. These people, uh, you know, when you get into secret societies and Freemasonry, you're like, what is, what's the big secret? You know, and some people trace the, well, the Illuminati was started by Adam Weishaupt in like 1776. But some people think that that group was only the remnants of the Knights Templar from the 1100s. And some people think that group was only the remnants of the Shemsu Hor and a few other priesthoods of Egypt. So, I mean, there's a thread where you could say we've been controlled since 
So the, the, so the secret society of the Illuminati and, and some of those ones you just mentioned that I can't pronounce, or the Knights of the Templar, yeah. those are also secret societies? Or is that the ones that are supposed to be from the bloodline of Christ? Uh, the, or is well, that not even real? Is that the, from like... The bloodline of Christ thing is the Merovingian bloodline, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that's true because okay. I think uh, Catholicism was kind of just made up. Okay, so <laughs> to, to get away from, from, from what that may or may not be, what is the Illuminati and the Knights of the Templar and, that, and the Freemasons in that chain? Well, I think that when you go really far back, you'll see that uh, government and, and church and government are like the same thing. The, the, when you go to the, the ancient times, it's like the priests were the ones that had the most power. And priesthoods and banking were very much the same back mm, then. Right. And so I think that it goes back to the banking. This is how they kind of like, you know, elbowed their way to the front of the table. And they've kind of been using these same tools, the same playbook over and over. And I'm sure there are some infighting and some, you know, stabbing in the back and trying to get a better seat at the table. But I think for the most part with these groups, they're kind of the same, or at least you can draw a thread through Mm. all these groups all the way back to Egypt that they've been involved in strange rituals. And through these rituals, maybe they've gotten insights into how to properly control people. That's some deep stuff. That's some really weird (laughs) and weird, crazy deep stuff. But I like, I like the weird. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I just, like I said, to me, this conversation, just the expansiveness of it, like just how big this is to where not even the president really knows for sure. Right. You know, yeah. and that's what I was thinking about. It's, it's another one that, that you mentioned earlier that I want to bring up on. And I've had debates on this. I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but it would not surprise me if the moon landing never happened. <laughs> now, this is all based on also in the 60s. JFK just gets shot. Right. There's the Cold War. The Russians are doing the space program. What is your opinions? And tell us a little bit about the background <laughs> of the moon landing. I, I or really landing, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a recent development to me that I really don't think the moon landing happened. Now, why do you mean recent development? Well, maybe maybe three years ago, I would I would have said that it did. Mm. Um. And I've just seen more and more over time, and I'm now convinced it pretty much didn't. And that's a weird thing, just not to, not to uh, derail too much, but I think there's a correlation between how much somebody looks into something and how sure they are about it happening. Because I find the people who are the most sure that 9-11 wasn't an inside job or the most sure that the moon landing did happen, they haven't ever looked into it. The more you dig, the less sure you are if you really do the digging. But when you look at the photos from the moon landing, there are photos where there are shadows going in two different directions, which means two different light sources. What the hell is that about? Mm-hmm. There's uh, underneath the, the module that landed, there's no impact crater. It looks like it was just set there on a soundstage. There's um, pictures where the rover has no tracks in either direction, like it was just set in place. It didn't like mm. roll there. Um, also when you look at what the, what happened to some of the astronauts when they come back, some like Buzz Aldrin, he went nuts. He basically, he looked like he was keeping a secret that he couldn't tell anyone about. Imagine that if you had to live with that right. bullshit lie, the worst, probably worst lie ever yeah. for 40, 50 years, you would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that, you know, I would not want to be that. Yeah. That's really bad. Another thing, uh, the telemetry data, all the, all the data, all the mathematics of the whole mission are all three missions. They don't have NASA doesn't have that information. They really? don't have the telemetry data. They Kidding say me. they just misplaced it. You'd think that'd be the most important freaking information NASA would ever. ever have. And also, 
the footage, a lot of the footage now, uh, they, they don't release. They say that they don't have the footage anymore. What's out there is out there. But they, there's other stuff they don't release. And why don't they release it? Well, they didn't ever expect in 1969 that we'd be trading it around the Internet and analyzing it. So that 45 years later, you could run something over it to say, oh, this is all bullshit. Right. And look at all the developments since 1969. We're carrying around computers in our pocket that's, now. Yeah. Rockets haven't changed one bit. We have, you know, trains, automobiles, planes, jets, rockets. Hasn't changed in 30 that, years. And, that, and that's my big contention. I debate this quite at length sometimes with especially the drummer in our, in, in our band. And I'm like, okay, look at our phone. Look at this phone right here, the iPhone 5. Yeah. Last year, if I had last year's phone, it'd be obsolete. From <laughs> yeah. last year, you know, three years ago with a phone, five years ago, ten years ago, we still had a phone that you would be texting going A, B, C, yep. D, E. Plain you know, snake. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Plain snake. And it does not make sense to me that there wouldn't be – you know, these upgraded machines that would fly you to the moon just because we can. I mean, he was like, like the, Frank, our drummer, was like, well, why would why would you want to do that? Because that's what mankind does. I'd love to do it. Yeah, just yeah. to go. Well, it costs too much money. Well, not for some people. Right. Richard Branson or Mark Cuban or they'd go to the moon. Why? Yeah. Just to plant a flag. McDonald's to plant a flag. Right. Why hasn't any country ever been back? You know, mm. it's a very, very right. curious thing. You know, so what, so what do you think is the reasoning behind this then? Why, why did we say we went to the moon? Well, like, like you mentioned, at that time, it was a bravado thing. Uh, we just wanted to be the ones who did it. We wanted to win the uh, political currency that that would get us. And I think really just because they could. Just mm-hmm. because they could. And um, there's a, a, a couple people out there who speculate that Stanley Kubrick helped them to film it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he released the movie Eyes Wide Shut, which is about illuminati orgy parties you know all these this weird stuff he died before that movie even came out he made the movie but before it was released he was killed so i don't know he was killed or he died well we don't know how he died really it's kind of mysterious oh really there's not a real cause of death for kubrick yeah i don't think so i we, i did somebody'd have to look that up so but. would they say something on the lines to like let's say a buzz aldrin like you know you're sworn like if, if you ever say something we'll kill you like how could you swear somebody to such a such a secret. Yeah, I mean, people do a lot of things for money. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give someone enough money, I think they can keep quiet. I mean, Buzz Aldrin, it seems like he had a hard time doing it. He was a hardcore alcoholic. And on the 25, uh, 25th year anniversary of the moon landing, he gave some speech at a college, uh, an Ivy League college. And instead of talking about, you know, go out and have this great adventure, you know, like I did, I went to the moon. He, he has a quote out there. It's something to the effect of, if we can peel back the layers of secrecy, we'll be a better nation. And it's like, why are you talking about secrecy? I'm, you know, I butchered the quote, but it's about something yeah. about secrecy. And it's like, what, you know, what are you trying to say, man? Just say it. Just say it. <laughs> um, but it's a weird one. Well, yeah, like I said, and it really is strange. We can also, too, you just pointed out something. Can you imagine in 1969 if we are, you know, Stanley Kubrick and, you know, guy A and guy B that are going to make this moon landing film have no idea that within basically 10 years, you'll be able to tell that this is bullshit. Right. And within 20 years, you'll be able to go grain by grain, yep. frame by frame and show what's really going on. Yeah. They had no idea that was going to happen. And uh, a big thing that people point to is why you can't get to the moon because this is the other thing not that they just didn't but that you can't 
And the reason is because it's something called the Van Allen radiation belt. I'm sure you've probably heard about, about it. It's a radiation belt around the planet, up right, at the, right in low Earth orbit. And even in 1994, and I think a few times since, there's been NASA administrators quoted in interviews saying, well, we can't explore space until we solve the Van Allen radiation belt. You know, you can find little cracks in the story. And there's been a few times where they've said that. And it's like, well, what happened with the moon landing, man? You know? Oh, so you're saying that there's some kind of a, of a belt of radiation that you know humans can't pass through because they'll get cooked, basically. A lot of alternative scientists do agree that you know, how would a, how would a person get through that? Yeah, it's wow. It's radiation. so we, we couldn't even physically could not have gone there. Never mind right. mechanically and all these other things. Right, and they're talking about Mars now. We're not going to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> can't get through that belt. Wow. I mean, I'm not a scientist, no. but. Uh, you know, I listen to these people and I think they make good cases. And when I look at the footage, which I can analyze, the photos I can analyze, and I see there's no tracks here, there's no impact crater there. How about the flag that's actually right. like in the wind? Yeah, it's waving. I mean, that's, that's a weird one, too. Yeah. So, so many strange things about the moon landing. One thing I like, it's hard to, you have to actually look it up, but they use the same background a couple of times because you can see the mountain ridge mm. and it's the exact same over several right, different Right, like from photos. this angle, from that angle yeah. of this thing, of this thing, it's the same kind of scenery. Yeah. Again, it's, they didn't think, and honestly, I mean, the, the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, the power went out. You think in 1969 without any hiccups whatsoever? We sent people to the moon one time and got them back? I just don't know. Yeah, in 1969, when you still basically needed a crank to start a car. Right, <laughs> You right. know what I mean? <laughs> Do you, did, did they film that in a soundstage? Is that kind of the, the rumor, like in, in Burbank or something? Or? Right. I mean, that's what some people would, would think. I mean, they had to film it somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people think it was on a special effects soundstage using front screen projection, which is a technique that Kubrick used a lot. Wow. <laughs> I never had heard the Kubrick uh, correlation before. Yeah. Um, there's a documentary out there called Kubrick's Odyssey, and it's like, it's like three parts, and each part is like two and a half hours long. And, I mean, it's not for lack of information. You know, it's mm. just nobody's covering it. No one's looking into it. You have to look into these things yourself because they will not be in school and they will not be on mainstream media because the elite a long time ago made sure that they secured those things up. You know, we, we're told Columbus discovered America. He didn't. We all, we oh, all know wow. he didn't. Like, well, we all know that. I mean, right. everyone says America, it's like actually America Vespucci, and maybe it is. But why do we have this fact that we still teach kids that isn't right, that isn't accurate? That's a accurate? great point. Yeah. And I, I, don't think it, I don't think it ends there. You know? Well, I mean, it's one of those things, too. Like, if you even suggest that the moon landing didn't happen, you know, suddenly that's, you know, or it suggests that Kennedy was assassinated by his own country or that 9-11 was perpetrated by his own country. You're almost anti-patriotic to say yeah. it, like just to, like because that's not that's not what you're supposed to think, right? So don't question it. Yep, you're on Team America. So yeah, just play ball. And there's a lot of people who who will not question it because, well, of course they went to the moon. It says right there we went to the moon. You right. know, and you're not allowed to ever question that. Exactly. I mean. I grew up listening to George Carlin, Bill Hicks, these guys who I really admired who were pushing the envelope. And I mean, that's kind of where I, the, the seed started to get planted, that something wasn't right. And the more you look into it, it's if I would have looked into 9-11 and nowhere did I find anyone saying it was an inside job and there was no data out there, I would have been just like, huh, I guess I was wrong. I guess two planes did knock down these massive buildings that should have been us, it Just, just as, as, you know, whether you're a kid in a playground 
or a aerodynamic, you know, architect, you're watching buildings fall in a way that, you know, if I build a house of cards and I hit the house of cards, it's going to fall down. Right. It's not going to go right straight down. That once again, until somebody points it out, then you're like, yeah, you're right. That is really, really weird yeah. to where there's actually just a crater in the middle of New York City where nothing – there's no uh, damage around it. Right. And what about Building 7? I'm sure you know about that, but what's – that? Uh, what's Building 7? Building 7 was another World Trade Center building right next to the Twin Towers because in that plaza, three, three – well, there's actually debate it might be more, but at least three buildings fell that day. The two main Twin Towers and Building 7 right there. And what's interesting about Building 7 is they say it was just debris and fire that caused it to fall. It fell in nine seconds. It free fell just like the Twin Towers did. And you can actually hear a guy, uh, there's, there's a recording where a guy says, pull it. Larry Silverstein, Larry Silverstein, he says, pull the building. So how did they, how did they pull it if it wasn't already rigged to fall? Hmm. Did it fall because it was already rigged and this guy said, pull it? Or did it fall because it was hit by debris? And another weird thing about Building 7 there's a clip you can find online over in, uh, in the UK, I believe, where a news reporter is talking about it. And she says, Building 7 just fell. And in the background behind her is Building 7 standing up. Hmm. She read the report before they pulled the building. Wow. So they screwed up. There's so, little areas where they screwed up. So who was in the planes that flew? In, I mean, obviously there was people in them. There were. I was I it a think, kamikaze mission, or what was this? I think they were remote-controlled. There's uh, a lot of researchers, Jim Mars, Judy Wood, who talk about them just being remote-controlled. You take over the plane while it's in the air. The pilot loses control of it. You fly it into the building. So those people were just sacrificial lambs. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, I guess you'd have, to, you'd have to think so. And the Al-Qaeda were basically the Lee Harvey Oswald of 9-11. <laughs> exactly, the Patsy. Because, I mean, they don't care about human life. Even... Mainstream thinkers can look at the way we're perpetually in war, perpetually sending kids to die. You know, if they cared, you know, you think they'd try to get us out diplomatically in some of the conflicts we're in. But well, yeah, right. the military industrial complex marches on. All the military these days are volunteer. So that's something they learned also. When you force people to go to war in a draft, everybody protests. But when you let volunteers go to war and die, no one cares. They, they volunteered for it. But that's been war since war began, whenever that was. That's just, true. Just, you know, let's get this hill. A hundred people will yeah. die. I don't care. We need the hill. And it's you always know. rich bankers at the top who never put themselves on the front line while they send your kids to go die. <laughs> so Wow, man. There's a lot of stuff to, to kind of digest here. And all of this stuff is very real. Um, I, I know you've, you have some quotes of some, some presidential uh, speeches and stuff like that. Is, is there some, some stuff that, that relevant to what we're talking about? Or? Well, yeah. Yeah. I brought this just because, you know, I'm, I'm just some crazy stoner kid who hosts a podcast <laughs> and people aren't going to believe me. I'm not going to shake them to their core. But there are quotes. I have a list of quotes here, probably too many to read, that are all from presidents where they basically kind of told some things they probably shouldn't have said. The little, the little uh, clues if you will. We'll pick a um, good one. Well, a, a simple one. Thomas Jefferson said, I sincerely believe that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies. Um, mm. Let's look at Woodrow Wilson. See, this one's interesting because this is what he said after the Federal Reserve Act was signed into law. You know, I mentioned that. This right. is how they, they basically took us over. 
Also, I should mention that they did this on December 23rd in 1913, right before Christmas, when no one was paying attention. (laughs) But he says, uh, Woodrow Wilson, who signed it, upon reflection, he said, I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of a nation, therefore, and all of our activities are in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. Hmm. This is what he said. You know, this is in 1913, right? Which is around your Titanic uh, sinking. Yeah. Do, do you have anything there from Bush or anybody talking about 9/11 or talking about JFK or anything, or is it all most of the banking stuff? Well, a lot of this was old stuff. Mm-hmm. 19, 19 early 1900s, 1930s, 1950s, even. But after Kennedy. They shut the hell up. They don't talk after Kennedy. But even this is a quote from Kennedy. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are and we as a people are inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths and and to secret proceedings. Our way of life is under attack. Those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. No war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you are awaiting to find a clear and present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear and its presence has never been more imminent. Wow. I mean, this is they capped him short af- shortly after. So he knew he was pressing and you're buttons. almost even wondering, like, you know, if, if, if you just heard him say, like, what are you talking about? Like, secret societies and all this sort of stuff? Like, that's exactly what we're talking about, yeah. you know? And he probably shouldn't have been saying that. Here's one good one I'll give you from Clinton. This is from Clinton's book. And this is pretty interesting. But he says... Just a month before Apollo 11, astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong had left their colleague Michael Collins aboard a spaceship Columbia and walked the moon. This old carpenter asked me if I really believed it happened. I said, sure. I saw it on television. He disagreed. He said that he didn't believe it for a minute and that them television fellers could make anything look real that wasn't. Back then, I thought he was a crank. During my eight years in Washington, I saw some things on TV that made me wonder if he wasn't ahead of his time. Wow. (laughs) So, like, why the, why is Clinton saying that? Like, that's some pretty right. crazy shit. He he wrote a he wrote a big long book, and that quote right there is probably the only thing of value that I found in it. <laughs> but I mean, he they, they want to say something, but you're not going to get CNN and MSNBC to pick that quote up and start Ever. asking about it, right? Because you know, if you're talking about how, let's say, you mentioned the Rockefellers buying all the newspapers, what's a modern day newspaper? Right, news channels yeah there are i think six corporations that own basically 90 percent of all the media you know cbs viacom news corp disney and i forget the other ones but they're owned by just a couple of companies wow so the the power has been consolidated even more whether you're looking at oil companies which have consolidated news uh you know media which is consolidated sure also banking we just lost lehman brothers a few years ago they've consolidated banking power now they're too big to fail (laughs) it's getting away with airlines too, right? Whether you believe in conspiracies or not, that's real. It's like consolidation about, of power. Look at that Disney, for example, or you're talking about, you know, the, the, like Delta Airlines or whatever it may be. Like you said, consolidation of power, where they become the majority, and then the, the, in Canada, 
there might only be two airlines. There's Air Canada and like WestJet, which is a small one, but Air Canada runs the ship. Yeah. You don't like Air Canada? You don't fly in Canada. Right. Tough luck, you know? It, now, all the stuff that we've been talking about is very real type of things. What about when you're talking about conspiracies involving like more of supernatural type <laughs> stuff? Like let's say like an alien yeah. type vibe. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a wide spectrum, and I have some that I think are just fun. I mean, I really think it's all fun because mm-hmm. uh, it's just um, it's intriguing. It's but, fun food for thought, but right. scary, especially yeah. when you're talking about the, the po- political side. Right. When you're talking about the alien side of things, now that really divides people, believe yeah. it or not, but still very fun to talk about. Oh, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, I love the alien stuff. A big thing that people talk about with that is, you know, if if it if it exists, if UFOs really are flying around out there, the government has to know something. And if they do know something, why aren't they telling us? Right. Um, I think the most compelling answer to that question is that if they disclosed UFOs and the technology that they use to travel, they would have to open up free energy because this is a it's a weird area. But I've interviewed a lot of guests who say that there's this this quarantine around a section of science that a lot that is involves electrogravitic properties and their scientists don't study it, you know, cause basically it leads to free energy because if you can fly a craft around and not use oil, well, why aren't we doing that then? Mm-hmm. You know? So I think they'd have to disclose a lot of information and they'd rather just keep it all in the closet rather than open it up and tell us a few things and hope that the rest doesn't just trickle out. So when you're saying free energy, you're, you're saying that like we don't need this gas and oil that we're paying so much money for. You could just use the energy that you use to turn on a light bulb or something along those lines. Like, right. How do you mean by that? Right. Well, some people like Stanton Friedman and Stan Dale, these guys who have potentially they claim that they've built crafts similar. And when they built cla- cr- uh, these crafts and tried to file the patents, guys in suits showed up and said, just come with us. You know, because that's apparently what happens when you file the patent for this new technology you think you stumbled upon. They come and they get you and they say, you didn't discover this. We've had this. We just don't let anyone do it. Uh (laughs) Um, You know, who knows? Who knows? But another thing about oil that is interesting that's, you know, more down to earth. I know we want to get crazy, but the (laughs) this is all crazy. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The alcohol conspiracy is pretty interesting because apparently before prohibition, Hmm. Farmers had alcohol stills and they run their tractors on them. People used to run their cars on alcohol. We don't really? we don't know this now. No. Because um, I always thought as I'm getting into all these conspiracies, I'm like, what was prohibition all about? Because that was a weird little time in history when you weren't allowed to buy out al- buy alcohol. alcohol. Right. right. Yeah. You couldn't have alcohol. It seems like kind of a weird thing. But apparently uh, this is another Rockefeller ploy because he you know, they always like to do this in the shadows. So he pumped a lot of money into these conservative women's groups who wanted to get rid of alcohol because they didn't want their husbands drinking or whatever, religious reasons. And he funded them. He got them up on the national stage and got this whole campaign going behind the uh, scenes. He's pulling strings. Now, why would he want alcohol illegal? It wasn't to do with consumption at all. Again, they don't care about us. They drink to your dead. We don't give a shit. It was about the energy. It was about people who were using it and knew it was a fuel. And they wanted everyone to be on oil because they control that. Uh-huh. So Rockefeller controls the oil. He in, in that day, he had 95% with Standard Oil. That was his company. He had it all. He had the monopoly on it. So if people can distill their own alcohol 
that's empowering to the people. You got to take that away. You can't have them doing that. Wow. <laughs> so you make you know, it that illegal. That makes perfect sense. It does. Yeah. You make it illegal for 10 years. Everybody's so selfish. All they care about is wanting to drink. So they're like, let me drink. And then it's like, okay, we'll let you drink. But now 10 years has passed and no one remembers that it was ever a fuel. Wow. <laughs> and now you have people talking about ethanol, alcohol, and like 15% like it's some new discovery. It's not. <laughs> wow. So you're saying that's the same thing with the, with the whole alien conspiracy is that if there are spacecrafts and we've heard Roswell and Area 51 and all these other things, that it's more about the technology, yeah. not the concept that aliens exist. It's about the technology that they would bring to the table. I mean, that's what makes the most sense to me, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously if you have an interest in it, you're looking at it for a long time and you have to come up with some answer to these questions. And the one that makes the most sense to me is that it's related to the technology and the empowering nature of it. And that if they can operate these crafts without fuel using, you know, magnetics that counters out gravity, then or, you know, if you're into Tesla at all, Nikola Tesla was a scientist who had all kinds of strange things going on. Um, Why did they shut him down? Well, he, he created a whole bunch of stuff. Right? right. That goes into energy again. He had apparently he had a contract with Westinghouse. And he was telling them, hey, we can have free energy. You know, I can pull electricity out of the air and, and power homes. And they were like, well, you can't do that. So they <laughs> shut him down. They shut him down and went with uh, alternating current, which is the, you know, plug it in. Right. AC, DC. Yeah. yeah. And we control it. Wow. So tell us more uh, about, about some of these alien encounters. Have, have the presidents known about this stuff? Has there been any kind of uh, conversation about that? That is a weird one. Um, probably the most intriguing thing about that is there are conspiracies out there that um, Eisenhower met with the Greys. There is a particular... The greys as in... Grey aliens. Ooh. Yeah. Like the classic almond eyes. Right. Pointed right. Uh, uh, face or whatever. Pointed yeah. skulls. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if that's true, of course. How would I actually get right. verifiable data? But there are a lot of people that suggest that he met with the Greys. Um there is a particular day they say that this happened where, you know, because the media is always following around a president. Well, apparently he was on the golf course. They shuffled him away. They told the media he was going to get a tooth fixed. And then apparently some ufologists who wanted to investigate this story went to that supposed dentist's office. And they're like, we've never treated a president. Now, this is years later, but they wanted to see if that story would hold up. So they went there. Do you remember... Uh, treating Eisenhower for a bad tooth in there? No. If a president was here, we'd definitely remember it. Yeah. No president ever came here. So where was he? Obviously, there's a wide range of possibilities, but one of those possibilities is that he was meeting with the Greys. <laughs> to discuss what? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Hello, Mr. President. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, actually, the story goes that that is when they made the deal for little bits of technology in exchange for a campaign of abductions. Where they said, hey, if you're the leader, uh, we want to abduct people. We're going to just do X amount of people. We're always going to put them back where they were. We're going to erase we their them. memories. Yeah. <laughs> and in exchange, we'll give you some tech. And that's when a lot of the really small microchip transistor technology really blew up. Wow. Like technology boom in the 50s. When was Eisenhower? About early 50s, yeah, late yeah. 40s, something along those I lines? Mean, of course, there's all kinds of possibilities, yeah. but I love this one. I just it, that's just a fun one. Um, yeah, aliens are a weird thing, and you know, I interviewed one guy, Michael Mott, who he doesn't think that aliens are from space at all. He thinks they're from the inner Earth, and that's really? a weird one. That's a weird one. Okay, but well, some of his points were, 
you know, the only reason we think these aliens are from Zeta Reticuli is because they've told us that. You know, they abduct people and they point to it on a star map and say that's where they're from. Well, a lot of times they're doing strange sexual medical experiments on them. So why do we take them at face value, these stories that they say that's where they're from? And they from? say they're from Zeta Reticulon. That's been a, a, a thing that's been said many times. Yeah, that's okay. – well, uh, the Benny and Barney Hill case, a huge popular case, that's where they were told, where mm-hmm. Benny and Barney Hill were told they were from. Um, but the case for them being from the inner earth, it's interesting because why would – let's say these aliens are from some far-off – place why would they be messing with our genetics like we have a pretty well-developed genetic program here in you know in the modern world and we can't get off the planet apparently so (laughs) these people who could travel so far you think they would have everything they need in the realms of medical science so why are they here but if they're from the inner earth and they have some kind of uh connection to us maybe they survived a previous cataclysm and existed in secret uh, i know that's weird but even the hopi indians have stories of the ant people who led them down into the inner earth before the last great cl- cataclysm the great flood and then brought them back out hmm. so there are these weird little stories that kind of jive with each other um i don't know but i love the idea that they're in the inner earth because it just it's kind of creepy. It's like if they're way out in space, they're not quite yeah. as scary. But to think that they're maybe part of the power pyramid, manipulating the surface world from underneath, I don't know. It's wild. The power pyramid <laughs> involving the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. Everybody, yeah. And the oh. aliens are involved too? <laughs> they could be. Wow. Well, and I know, I know I'm just throwing out weird speculation here. But one thing that um, – to throw some fuel on that fire, we talked about these ancient – banking priesthoods and secret societies participating in rituals. Well, what are these rituals for? If they're all about consolidation of power and that's all they care about, why do they need to do these rituals? Because it would seem somewhat superstitious of them uh, unless they get some real power and real value from that. So if they're doing these, you know, human sacrifices and other things that are suggested that they're doing in the basements of Masonic lodges all over the country, There must be something there. And I think it could be communication with a non-human entity. Maybe through rituals, they open up channels of communication with something else. Maybe it's the inner earth beings. Maybe it's, you could say demons. You could say spirits. You could say something. But I definitely have had some psychedelic experiences that show me that there's something on the other side of the veil. Mm. And if you do enough ritual, if you really dial it in, I think you can communicate with something. And maybe that something is giving them the, the ideas of fractional reserve banking, alchemy, and all kinds of strangeness. Maybe. Now, we're, would some of these inner earth, is that kind of the whole reptilian thing as well? Or what, what, where do those fit in? Yeah, I mean, that, it actually, a lot of people think it started with David Icke, like maybe 10 years ago. Who's David Icke? He's a really popular conspiracy guy from the UK. Okay. He came out and he... A lot of people were eating up what he was saying, and then he drops the reptilian shapeshifter thing, and everybody's like, this guy's a crazy asshole. (laughs) But it actually goes way back further. I mean, the Shemsu Hor I mentioned, which was a brotherhood, a priesthood of uh, ancient Egypt, they were called the Brotherhood of the Snake, the Brotherhood of the Serpent. Uh, The Caduceus is a symbol for, uh, you know, the medical symbol. That's two snakes. Um, The Adam and Eve story is an origin story that involves a snake. I mean... Culture's been talking about this weird uh, interaction with a snake reptilian thing for a long time. And it sometimes has more power over the people than they realize. I mean, even the story of Mario, uh, the most popular video game known to man, is a story about a guy who's fighting 
uh, reptilian bloodline of uh, of uh, like uh, royalty, you know, <laughs> Bowser and all his kids. Um, think about dragon lore. What is, uh, you know, ancient dragon lore? First off, that comes from all over the world. Uh, um, Europe had dragon mm-hmm. lore. China had yeah, dragon Japan lore. Japan has it, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's kind of crazy because we're told they didn't communicate. So why do they all have stories of these dragons? But then also, in especially in Europe, it's always about a dragon hoarding some trove of gold. You know, and what's what's a hoard of gold associated with is royalty, is the elite. Huh. So there are these weird connections that go back a lot further than David Icke. And I can't say that George Bush is a reptilian shapeshifter, <laughs> but you might know one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they do. They shape shapeshift into humans and then go back to reptilian. That's the story. Yeah. I definitely don't think I think that there could be something non human that they're interacting with, but the idea that they just shape shift from person to reptile, I think that's that's crazy. <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. Right. That's my line. That is my line. <laughs> Man, there's so much cool stuff here and, and some great stories and some great food for thought. A little bit about you, Greg. Did you ever listen to uh, Art Bell? I did. I actually yeah. used to actually like Art Bell. A big reason why I started my show is I felt like I was interested in conspiracies, interested in these guests and these authors, but I didn't think there was really a host that was doing them justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Jones is always screaming, we got the documents, and right. he's, he's out, out to lunch. <laughs> and then uh, I felt like when they took Art Bell off the air, uh, you know, George Norrie's okay, but some people call him George Snorri. Yeah. And I also just think that it's corporate controlled. I mean, they're on Clear Channel. They're on a major right. network. So they talk about aliens and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, but they don't talk about banking. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about all the things you can't talk about. So <laughs> I felt like there was room for another show. And I'm lucky to say I have no... Uh, no boss. I mean, it's, it's an amazing that's thing. That's the best thing about it. Right. I mean, that's why I have this element on my show. You know, yeah. I love the conspiracies and the aliens and the cryptozoology and the ghosts and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Basically, as a, not disciple of Art Bell, but a huge fan, feel the same way yeah. that, that you do. Um, and it's the Higher Side Chats, and where can we, where can we find it? Uh, anywhere podcasts okay. are found, generally, but thehiresidechats.com. It works. Uh, I also put it up on YouTube, and we have an RSS feed, so most people who have Just, yeah, go go click on podcast. find and, and, and yeah, if it was the iTunes thing or what is it, the podcast app on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Who is your favorite guest that you've had on? Um, man, I I really like this guy, David Bloom. He's actually the guy who woke me up to the uh, conspiracy about alcohol. And because I just thought that was so damn interesting. That's great, man. great. I thought that was so yeah, it was great. A great story. Yeah, I just like when there's a part of history that you're like, I don't know why that happened. And then you realize that it ties into the big conspiratorial big picture, yeah. story. So I, I really thought he did a, a great job in pointing out something that a guy, me, had been doing this, looking into this stuff my whole life almost. He really stumped me on that one. So I got to say I liked him. Are people <laughs> coming to you now with the uh, out of the woodwork sort of thing? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, a lot of these guests and authors, I'm very lucky that they've started to contact me because they've heard through the grapevine or know themselves or have heard from fans of theirs that the Higher Side Chats is a forum where I give them plenty of room to talk. I actually do a lot of research beforehand. There's a lot of shows where they, people just don't know. Mm-hmm. And with this kind of deep information, the host has got to be clued in with it. Sure. And I kind of walk them through their material or help them through it. So I think each episode we make a pretty complete case for X, Y, or Z or whatever the topic is. 
All right, Greg, gave me a lot of cool stuff to think about, man, and I uh, appreciate you, you meeting me here today. Yeah, dude, thanks for having me. I mean, I, I appreciate you and the fact that with everything you've got going on, you take the time to do this. I mean, uh, the cryptozoology stuff and alien stuff, you don't need to talk about that. I mean, obviously, in your brand, I mean, that's not going to fit entirely, but my 12-year-old self is wondering how the hell this happened, man, because I was a huge fan of Y2J back in the day. And now we both shapeshift into reptiles. Boom. All right, so I really didn't shapeshift into a snake. Or did I? What a great conversation with Greg Carlwood of Higher Side Chats. I love those conversations. I love those secrets behind the scenes stories that we're not supposed to know. And I actually heard a bunch of things I've never heard before, especially about the alcohol conspiracy. Forgot about that. How about Stanley Kubrick's rumored involvement with the moon landing? I hadn't heard that either. Stanley Kubrick filmed the moon landing. Wow. Crazy stuff, uh, food for thought. Uh, and here's something else uh, that's food for thought. How about True Car? How about the True Car app? I've been thinking about buying a new car, and I've been putting it off, and this is serious. This is a shoot, people. I don't want to waste a day down at the car dealership haggling over the price of a car. Thinking about it makes me tired, cranky, bored, super boring. Too much of a hassle. I hate having to negotiate the price and sitting there with the uh, evergreen um, uh, deodorant, uh, deodorizers, you know, those things, those scented evergreen things that's in every used car salesman's office, new car salesman's office. I don't want that. I don't want it. So I just download the True Car app, and in five minutes, I can create the car I want. I can choose the make, model, special features, and even the color. And once I got the specs filled out, I can see what others paid for the same car. That's what I've been doing. Searching for the kind of car I want with certain features and seeing if it's available in the color I want. The app is easy to use, and I'm having a hard time deciding which car to buy. There's so many choices. The possibilities endless. And when I say find out what others paid for the car you want, I mean people who actually live in your neighborhood are buying the cars from the same dealer you would go to. And once you see what other people paid for the car, you can lock in guaranteed savings from the True Car certified dealers in your area. An average of over three grand off of MSRP. That's making smart use of your smartphone. They got an app for everything these days, but how many actually save you a serious chunk of change? Only one that I can think of. That's True App. Do the smart thing. Download the True Car app. Save time. Save money. Save us, Y2J, and never overpay. Download the True Car app. And you go do it today. All right, you know what else you got to do? You got to go pick up your tickets for the Y2J WWE Summer Tour because it's coming close to an end. August 15th in Detroit City, August 21st in Bridgeport, Connecticut, 29th in San Juan, Puerto Rico, August 30th, Tallahassee. That's it. It's over. The summer run is done. But guess what? I had so much fun with it. I'm coming back in September, September 11th. That's right. Calgary, Edmonton. Going over to Toronto, Syracuse, Rochester, New York City, Trenton, New Jersey. So many other big gigs coming up in September and October. I think it's actually four countries. It's going to be the States. It's going to be Canada. It's going to be Mexico. And just added, sorry, no more St. Louis Bloomington shows. And I'll be in Saudi Arabia. That's right. I'm going to Saudi Arabia to come hang out with all the Saudi Arabian Jericho-holics. All right, man. I don't think I've been there before. Excited to go. Excited to be at the Festival of Friends with Fozzie and Hamilton tomorrow, August 8th. Going to be a great rock and roll show. Sumo Psycho is going to be there. Sunday, August 9th, Heavy Montreal, 60,000 rockers and Fozzie. That's going to be huge. And the Cinderblock Party Tour then after that starts in Europe, in the UK, November 14th with Nonpoint and Sumo Psycho. Go to FozzieRock.com for all information and all VIP packages. We want to rock, we want to rock with you, man. 
I want to rock right now. I want to rock right now. And I want to thank you guys for listening to Talk is Jericho twice a week. And the reason why it's free, because of the sponsors, Uber, NatureBox, DraftKings, TrueCar, and of course, Amazon. Easiest way to support the show. You can go buy whatever you want to buy. Just use them damn links. You go to podcastone.com. Click on the support or show sponsors banner at the top of the page. You agey. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Got Amazon links for the US, the UK, the Canada. Every time you do it, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show. So we keep doing it to you for free for twice a week. No extra fees. No hidden challenges just go to podcast1.com click on the support our show sponsors banner at the top of the page then hit that talk is jericho button that's it another great week thanks to greg carlwood thanks to new day new getting getting huge props for the for the talk is jericho episode they they did listen to that my memories of roddy piper uh so many good episodes i appreciate you being here with me and we will see you next week for two more amazing shows two more amazing guests but i'm gonna uh, keep a little bit of a secret because i'm still working on it so next week you'll find out probably on monday as soon as I know, you'll know. But I do know this. The shows are going to be amazeballs. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com. 